Hi, welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. This is week two of our sermon series, This Is Us. Today's message is titled, We Love People. Enjoy the word. Good morning. How you doing today? Is it a good day? Listen, this has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today. Well, yeah, it does. But the Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made. And then it says this, we will rejoice and be glad. And let me tell you why you can rejoice every single day. Despite the challenges, despite the hardships, despite whatever life may throw your way. Because there's always an opportunity for something good. And sometimes we put our eyes on that which isn't good at the expense of the good that God is doing in our lives. Amen. Wasn't that good? Some of you didn't get that. Some of you didn't get that. All right. Well, for those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. And today we're going to jump right into the series that we started last week entitled, This Is Us. This Is Us. This Is Us. What are we talking about? Well, look, uh, last week, I hope I conveyed this uh, to the best of my ability. But basically what I want you to think about is this, that as Christians, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, Wherever you go, you're supposed to make a difference. You're supposed to change the surroundings around you, right? Let me put it to you this way. According according to what we see in Scripture, many of us live life, unfortunately, if we're not careful, as a thermostat. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We reflect the environment. But the Scripture says that you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. That you're the difference maker. You're the change agent that God uses to impact and touch this world. And so instead of living as a thermometer, why not live as a thermostat? Why not turn up, right? Turn up, turn on, dial up what you need to and begin to impact your community. I, I think that this is, I'm sorry, did we not put enough Bustelo in the coffee? Did something happen? Because I'm like, whoa, what, what just happened here? You got to understand, man, I'm, I'm, I, I need you to preach to me. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, okay, I get, preach back to me. Talk to a brother. Let's have a conversation here. All right, but listen, last week we started on the series, This Is Us, and the first thing that we were looking at is that we're called to love God, that we love God. And nothing marks the life of a believer more than one who follows after Jesus. It's a disciple. Well, today we're picking up where we left off, and we're going to be talking about another, uh, another uh, facet of what the Scriptures reveal and how we change the environment, and it's we love people. Say that with me. I love people. Now, you know some of you are lying, right? Some, some of you are lying. Some, some of you are lying. I've been there. I get it. I get it. You know, people hurt people, right? People are difficult sometimes. We work with people, and we go, oh, When is Friday coming? It's not even Monday yet. And you're already worrying about Friday coming, right? So listen, but we love people. So let me just share a joke uh, with you. Everybody say this with me. I love Pastor Jose. So that means you're going to laugh, right? right. So no, I I read this this in a magazine a while back, and it kind of really stuck with me. So I just wanted to pull it out of the, uh, the crates, so to speak. It says, I was attending a junior stock show 
when a grand champion lamb owned by a little girl was being auctioned. So basically, this is one of those places where, uh, you know, cattle ranchers and farmers bring their animals, their very best, and they auction them off. And so this little girl was there while her lamb was being auctioned, and it was a champion lamb. So it's basically a a, a good quality, like a greater quality of a lamb. And so it was evident that this little girl had a seemingly genuine love and affection and was heartbroken to see her lamb go to auction. As the bids reached $5 per pound, the little girl standing beside the lamb in the arena began to cry. At $10 a pound, the tears were streaming down her face, and she was sobbing as she clasped her arms tightly around the lamb's neck. The higher the bids rose, the more she cried. Finally, a local businessman bought the lamb for more than $1,000 per pound, but then announced that he was donating it back to the little girl. The crowd applauded and cheered. Months later, I was judging some statewide essays when I came across an essay from, from a girl who told about the time that her grand champion lamb had been auctioned. The prices began to get so high during the bidding, she wrote, that I started to cry from my happiness. She continued with, the man who bought the lamb for so much more than I ever dreamed I would get returned the lamb to me. And when I got home, daddy barbecued the lamb and it was really delicious. (laughs) Now, I'll tell you why I share that with you. Isn't it true that there's nothing worse than disingenuous love? Then the love that's feigned, let me just put it to you, fake love, right? You ever been around people like that? Certainly not you, right? I know I have. Where, you know, people say, oh, I love you. And it's really not true, right? I mean, you've been there yourself, right? Where you say, oh, I love you. Oh, bendito, yo te quiero tanto, mija. Right? And you don't mean it, right? We say we love chocolate. I love my car. I love this. I love that. It's disingenuous, And there's nothing worse than a disingenuous love expressed to people. And I got to tell you, look, look, my job here is not to convince you to believe in Jesus. My job is to point you to the truth that the word of God reveals. And my prayer is that you would simply consider that truth and reflect upon what the scriptures reveal and where you're at. Because if we can do that genuinely, if we can consider the truth that the word of God reveals, I believe that it will begin to enlighten us to some areas of our life. And I think that one of the areas that people just in general struggle with is this area of love, of expressing love, of receiving love. And so, look, it's, there's nothing worse than a disingenuous love towards people. And, and, and I got I to gotta point something out here. Because this is important, but the question might come up, well, why is this so important? I get it, man. I follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to love people. I love people. I love my kids. I love my family. I even love some people that I really don't like. But why is this important? A while back, I was driving in the city of Newburgh, and a friend of mine uh, texted me a picture, right, that he saw while he was driving. And I want to show it to you because this picture stuck with me. And I don't know if you can really see that clearly, but I want you to see that it's some sort of metal encasing. And originally, somebody had spray painted on it, God bless America. And somebody else came and spray painted over it, God is dead. And I want you to think about this. Could it be that we're in a place in society today 
where the idea that a God who loves people is considered absent and dead. Could it be? Could it be? I think that the state that we find ourselves in in society today proves that many of us, many people in general, don't understand what the love of God is. And I will say to you, this isn't the ultimate factor, but it is a, a huge contributing factor. I believe that from this society we live in today, the reason why many people might come to this conclusion or just say, God doesn't love me, is because somebody hasn't expressed the love of God. A Christian, a believer, someone hasn't received it, someone hasn't embraced it, and someone hasn't expressed it and shown it. How many of you have had people say, I love you? We all have, right? But do the actions match it? See, as believers, there's supposed to be an evidence. If you're a follower of Christ, there's supposed to be an evidence of the love of God, not just for you, but through you. And it's that kind of love when it's expressed, when we live that way, that will change the climate. We shift from being a thermometer to a thermostat. We begin to impact everything around us. And so this is important. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 13, 34. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Everybody say, new commandment. I want you to focus on those two words because Jesus is speaking to a people that thought they understood what love was. Kind of like us. Oh, I love him. Oh, I love my kids. Oh, I love my car. I love this. I love that. And Jesus is speaking to people who think they know what love is, what it is to love. And he says to them, I'm giving you a new commandment. In other words, I'm giving you something better than what you think you know. I'm proposing to you something higher than that emotional love that you depend on. I'm showing you a new way. And so he says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Watch this. Love each other. Wait, that's easy. No. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And I want you to see that the bar is so much higher than what we think love is. Because Jesus says, love each other. But then he clarifies how. He says, just as I have loved you. You know what the scripture says? You, you want to know what love is? Imagine yourself on the cross. No, don't, don't imagine that because you didn't belong there. Christ paid the price for us. But the scriptures say this, that while he was on the cross and the, some of the very people who followed him at once, who probably ate the same bread that he multiplied and gave to them, maybe some people that were healed, all these people are there watching him as a spectacle on this cross. And the Bible says that people were spitting at him. People were mocking him. The scripture says that some of these people were saying, aren't you the one who said you're the son of God? If you truly are the son of God, why don't you come down from that cross and prove it to us and then we'll believe. And the scripture says that love replied this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know this love. They don't know the truth. Listen, in an absence of love, there's an absence of God. There's an absence of God. And so you see, why is it important? It's important that we love people because it's necessary. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Anybody ever gone fishing? Go fishing, right? You pull a fish, right? You reel it in, it comes out, you pull it out the water. What does that fish do? Does it just lay down and go, just freaking save me? No, right? What does it do? 
It's jumping around, flipping and flopping. And where is it trying to go? Back in the water. You know why? Because it understands I need this water to live. What if I told you that like the fish that needs water to survive, we need to love people because it is life unto us. There was a sick, sick study that was done many years ago. I believe it was somewhere in Russia, might have been Poland somewhere. But there was a study that was done many, many years ago where they took two sets of kids. One set of kids, they were, they were all in an orphanage, and they took about 20 kids or whatever amount it was, and they said, these kids we're going to raise and we're going to meet their needs, like give them milk and change their pampers, but we'll cool to them, we'll relate to them, we'll touch them, we'll play with them, right? We'll talk to them, we'll engage them. The other group, we're going to just simply just meet their most basic needs. Give them milk, change their pampers the most basic needs. And what made this study sick was that for 20 years, they followed these two groups of kids. And you know what they found? That the ones that did not receive love and attention and affection from the very beginning, these kids were the ones that were most prone to end up in prison, to struggle with issues of addiction, to struggle with self-confidence and a true self of identity. They, they, they struggled in life. My point with that is simply this. Don't you realize that we as people were created to love and be loved? And what greater love to express than the love received by a good and gracious and merciful God? I don't know your story, but I don't have to know your story to know this. Every one of us needs love. And every one of us has had an experience with something we call love. And maybe, 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 just maybe, your perception of love is through a flawed uh, uh, a lens. And I'll tell you why. Because that love has disappointed you. That love has let you down. You know, my mother used to say, I love you. And it's because I love you so much that I beat you. Really. My mother went upside my head once with a police lock. Knocked me out. And she says, it hurts me more than it do- It hurts me more to hurt you than it does you. And I said, well, mom, why don't we switch roles? And that was another beating. That was another beating. I was a little kid. I was just, you know, trying to, anyway, let's get back to the text, right? And so, listen, it's important because it's necessary. A Christian that does not love is one who is, is, is gasping for life, is, is, is trying to reach for something more and, and is unfulfilled. And so listen to 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, what it says. It says, but anyone who does not love does not know God. I'm not talking about love and chocolate here. We're talking about a different kind of love. It says, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Watch this, verse 10. This is real love. That should perk your ears up. What's real love? This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Listen closely to the scripture saying, real love is a love that sacrifices. It's sacrificial, but it expects nothing in return. Now, I know, I know what just happened here. Some of you just tuned get the volume on your ear down a little bit and said, nah, that's not flying with me. No. Nah. 
That's me laying down my life so somebody can hurt me. Ah, I propose to you differently. If you want real love, then it takes discovering the source of it. It's from a real God. And here's the thing about God's love. Here's the thing about true love, that it's a love that comes without a receipt. You don't owe anything for it. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to increase it. You are loved. And here's the thing about this gospel. Here's the thing about this love. That it reveals who God is. It reveals who God is. Listen, yesterday I had the opportunity. As a matter of fact, you know what? I won't go there right now. I won't go there right now. But I will say this to you. I want to share that in, in another context in a second. But here's the thing about genuine love. When we truly love people the way the word of God calls us to, here's what happens. It introduces the love of God. It introduces something different. As a matter of fact, I might as well just go there. Uh, Yesterday, I had the opportunity. This is one of those things that I, I, I just did on my own. You know, here at Church at the Bridge, our vision is simple. We believe that we're called to help people to establish a connection with God. And that comes simply through the gospel. It's not a complicated process. You don't have to shimmy your way into the kingdom. You don't have to get goosebumps. You don't have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or act a certain way. You don't have to have your act together. And the reason why we approach things that way is because that's what we see in Scripture. That's what we see. That's where we see Jesus. And so that's how we do it. So we believe that we're called to help people connect with God. we, we, We believe that we exist to help people Develop and establish real connections and real relationships with people that are believers in others. And then we also believe that we're called to serve, to connect with our community. And so, you know, that's just ingrained into our DNA. That's who we are. And so yesterday I went to a program that houses about 580 kids on a Saturday morning here in the city of Newburgh. 580 kids. I got there at 845. There were kids excited about going into a math class. I was bugging. That bugged me out. I was like, math? I've been checking this place out and just, you know, getting a feel for it. And so when I went yesterday, I went because I wanted to volunteer my own time and just kind of just sit amongst people and serve some people and get to know some people. And there was this one kid. uh, I went to this program called Wild Readers. I went because I was like, something's got to be, like, really different about this program. I went there, and these kids were excited about reading books, excited. And so I walk into this program, and, and, I, and I sit down and introduce myself to the teacher, and she goes, okay, Mr. Vasquez, yep, jump right in, Jose, and I'm going to pair you up with little Nolan today. And so I sat down with this kid, Nolan, and he's so excited, and I'm here thinking all this time that he's excited about reading. And he was, he was. But you know what was more exciting to him the more I got to know him? That he was in a room with people that actually cared. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Love will change your life and mine. First grade kid, just learning to read, and we went through, I spent 50 minutes with this kid reading a book on George Washington Carver. He was supposed to bring one book. He brought two books. He brought two books. And he asked him, what's your name and where are you from and what school do you go to? I was like, nah, bro, not in school, right? But it was just so cute. And I'm talking to this kid and I'm helping him read. And he got excited about learning the word sustainable. 
it was in the book, and so he wrote it down. He says, we're supposed to write it in our journals. So he starts writing it in his journal, and he, as he's writing it, he's S-U-S-T. And then we get a, 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 a uh, we, we got a dictionary, and he's looking through. He goes, we got to go to the S-U-S's. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going through. He goes, no, that's, that, that's P. We got to keep going. And, and we get there, and he finds it. And he's so excited. He's like, it means to provide with something that's needed. And he writes it down. And then they say, okay, who wants to share their word? He jumped up. And then he's wanting me to go up there with him. I was like, nah, bro, this is you, man. You do you, man. I'm, I'm cheering you on. So he goes up there. I wasn't supposed to be up there, so I just let him. So he shares his word and everything. And, and here's the thing that you, when, when you're leaving this room, these kids, here's what they're asking. Are you coming back? Are you coming back? Are you coming back? Let me tell you why it's necessary. Proverbs 10, 12 says this. It says, hatred stirs up strife. Let me just put it this way to you. That's the world we live in today. You know what strife is? Strife is divisions. It's discord. We live in a world today where we, we, we're divided for everything. We're divided based on religion. We're divided based on color. We're divided based on socioeconomic status. We're divided based on beliefs. We're divided based on anything and everything you can think of. That's the world we live in. And the scripture says that hatred stirs up strife. Hatred is what causes that. But watch what it says. But love covers all offenses. You know what's interesting about that word all in the Hebrew? You know, this is going to be deep. Ready to hear this? You know what it means? It means all. I'm going to tell you why that's important. Because the scriptures reveal God in a completely different life. And it reveals a love for people in a completely different light. Watch what it says. It says that love, this love that we receive from God, this love that we claim to, that love, true love, it covers all offenses. Every offense, not just some, not just the ones that you say you'll let slide. It says that it covers all offenses. That word offenses in the Hebrew doesn't just mean transgressions. Like breaking the rules. It means outward rebellion. But you know what else it implies? It implies one who's guilty of it and knows it. Now watch how love is, real love works. You dropped the ball on me, brother. We've been riding for a long time. We're we're like bros. And you outright betray me. You know what love does? Love doesn't retaliate. Love says, I see the best in you, even on your worst day. That's true love. That's real love. That's, that's the love that God has for us, and that's the love that we're called to love people with. That's the love we're called to, to love people with. And so, why is it important? Because it answers what we need today. In a world riddled with hatred and strife, Listen, that's the new norm today. We even do it with politics. Oh, you're a Democrat. Oh, you're a Republican. Where do we see that? What does that have to do with love? And so this love of God answers and redirects and reorients us to what truly is normal. Let me prove that to you. Let's see what Jesus said in the scriptures. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, check this out. He says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, watch this, 
Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. You want to know what a true Christian is? You want to know what a true son and daughter of God is? It's one that loves the unlovable. Listen, love is not for the lovable. Love isn't for the lovable. Love isn't for you, you're foreign no more. Love is not for your tight little circle, your tight little clique of people that you roll with. No, it's, that's not love. That's not love. Watch this. It says, but I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, verse 45. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you? what, 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 What reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? That's the world we live in today. Care for your own. There's no difference there. He says even pagans, that simply means people who worship or seek after something else. And so he says even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect. Now, let me just address something because I just heard somebody think this. Well... I guess I don't qualify there because I ain't perfect. That's not what he's saying. That word perfect there means to come to completion. And he's talking about love. He says, but you are to be perfect, to come to completion, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You know what he's talking about? Coming to completion in this area of love, a love for people, a love for people. And so you see, in Jesus' day, when you say love your neighbor, Here's what they understood. That meant that that was somebody from the Hebrew nation, someone who was Jewish. But Jesus means something completely different. Watch what he says. He says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor. In other words, that's normal to you. But then he says, but I say, I say do something greater. Go further, go higher. He says, love your enemies. Love those who hate you. He says, pray for those who persecute you. And so, look, if we're going to love people, I believe I said this already, the way God commands us to, we got to recognize that love isn't for those closest to you. That's, That's step one. Love is for the most unlovable. And you know what? Sometimes, if we're not careful, we forget that we've been there too. That we are there too sometimes. And so, if we're to do this right, if we're really and truly going to love people, and look, like I said, I'm not here trying to convince you to do anything. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. But I want you to see that love really is a language that everyone speaks and everyone understands. You could go to China and not understand a word they're telling you, and you not, and they not understand a word you're telling them, but you start acting in love, and I tell you the truth, they will understand something about you. They'll see more about who you really are than what your words say. Isn't that, isn't that good? Isn't that what we want? Don't tell me, show me. Right? Let me see it. And so if we're to do this right, if we're to love people, we have to come to the right conclusion about this question. Who's your neighbor? Because Jesus said, 
love your neighbor. And so the scriptures tell us about a time when Jesus found himself among many people. And this man approaches him with the question, what should I do to inherit eternal life? In essence, what he's asking is this. How do I do this whole having a relationship with God thing? How, do I, how, how, how does this work? How do I get all that the Bible reveals? How, how does this work for me? How, 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 how do I get there? And the Bible says that Jesus responds to this man. And he says, well, you tell me. And he says, well, we should love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, that's right. Then he asked Jesus this question. The scriptures say in Luke 10 that he wanted to test Jesus. In other words, there, was some, there wasn't anything genuine about what he was trying to find out. He was getting at something more. He was trying to justify himself, the scripture says. But he asked Jesus this question. He says, well then, who's my neighbor? And Jesus responds with a parable. It's simply a story used to illustrate a greater truth. Look with me in your Bibles at Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. For some of us, this is going to be familiar. For some of us, it's not. But watch how Jesus replies with a story that's meant to illustrate something to us. He says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. Somebody say, that's messed up. You're going to see why. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Isn't that messed up? And so, watch this. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion. He felt compassion for him. And so going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, I want to just briefly dig into this because we're going we're gonna to expand on this in a moment. But when at the reading of this or hearing this, it sounds like what Jesus is trying to clarify when we read the story is who's your neighbor in, in terms of who's the person that you see around you who's hurting and in need. But if you check out what Jesus is actually saying, the neighbor is not the person laying on the ground. In other words, the neighbor is not the person who's receiving something. The true neighbor is the one who's giving it. Now, I'm going to tell you why that's important. Notice that the scripture says that there is a man laying on this road between Jerusalem and Jericho. That tells us something very important. This is Jewish country. Everyone around there is Jew, is a Jew. And so a priest of the Jewish elite passes by and goes, nah, He's dead. In some cases, 
maybe he said, he stinks like he's dead. And if he, if he was really religious, he said, it stinketh. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. It's all right, it's all right. Then a guy who's a temple assistant, get this, this guy works at the church. He's walking by and he sees this guy and he goes, I'm not touching that. And he keeps walking along. But what's interesting is this, that the one who who Jesus identifies as a neighbor is a person who's a Samaritan who would never be found amongst the Jewish people. Samaritans, according to Jews, were referred to as, they used terms like a dog for them. There was this huge division between them, kind of like the world we live in today. See, the Jews believe we worship on this mountain and we do this and we do that. And the Samaritans said, no, we're supposed to worship on this mountain. And so there was just a whole rice and beans there. It was all scrambled up. It was a mess. And Jesus, in this story, to illustrate who's a neighbor, in other words, who's the person that really loves people, uses a person that doesn't fit in the story. I'll tell you why that's important. Because none of us fit in this story of love. If you think about it, we all drop the ball. So why is that important? Because I want you to see something, whether you believe in God or you don't, whether you're serving God now or not, whether this is your first time or your millionth time, or you're a Jesus veteran. I mean, you got two Bibles that you carry on you, right? Whatever. No matter what, check this out. Every one of us qualifies as a tool to love people. Check this out. Check this out. Somebody picked that up. That's God calling on you. (laughs) I'm messing with you, bro. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) uh, I want you to think about this. That we were all created to love and be loved. This is a necessity for us. And so I want you to see something. Let's put up verse 33 real quick in Luke 10. It says that this Samaritan... This, this, this person who was despised, that he came along and that he saw this man and he felt compassion for him. Listen, he saw that he looked like he was dead. And you know what this guy did? He stopped and he didn't just investigate, but he said, I can't leave him in this state. I can't leave him in this dead state. I've got to do something about this. Why do I share that with you? Because we're talking about loving people. We're talking about what it takes to be a neighbor. And if you're going to do it, you got to do it with love. What does that mean? It means that it's a commitment to bring life in dead places. In dead places. Remember that program I was telling you about? Well, there was this other kid there in that program, and he was so excited to share the word that he had learned. It was the word pond. He was so excited. And so he gets up and he shares his word and all that. He's super excited. And so as I'm walking out, you know, my my time is up with little Nolan. And he's going to his next class. And, you know, and and, and I'm already made up in my mind. I need to be here a little bit more often. It was just real cool, the kind of stuff they're doing there. And it's, it's free. And they're just serving kids and families and all that. And so 
uh, I'm, I'm walking out, and as I'm walking out, I see the other little boy who shared the word pond, and I realized that the, the boy that was sitting next to him was his brother. And their father's walking with them and talking to them in Spanish and asking them, what did you learn and how was it? And they're so excited sharing about uh, what they learned and what they're doing. And, I'm, and, and in that moment, I was present with this thought. Man, this father's going out of his way to do everything that he can while he may be limited in his language to ensure that his kids get everything they need. And I just, you know, for me, you know, call it cheesy, call it soft. I don't care, whatever. I'm, I'm confident in who I am. But I, 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 said to this, I said to this guy, hermano, I started talking to him in Spanish, and I said, bro, I said, thank you for what you're doing for your kids. And he looked at me kind of like, duh, isn't that what you're supposed to do? And I said to him, no, man, I, thank you for what you're doing, man. What you're doing with your kids to ensure that they get what they need. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what we need as fathers. And he looks at me and he says, thank you. But when he said thank you, and I shared a bunch of other stuff with him, you know, just kind of encouraging. I was just like, I was like, man, I'm, I'm, that's amazing. I said a whole bunch of stuff to him. But anyway, when he said thank you back to me, it was like, it was like he'd never heard something like that. And I'm going to tell you why I share that with you because we all have the ability to bring life to dead places. Let me show you something from Scripture real quick. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 6, this is an account of a conversation between God and a guy that was a prophet. All a prophet is is someone who speaks what he hears from God. And so it says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now, I want you to get something. This is so good. Don't miss this point. God is having this conversation What we see here revealed is that God wants to bring life to dead places. But watch what God says. Watch who God does it through. Does God say to Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, by the way, I want to bring life to these dead bones, and here's how I'm going to do it. No, he says, Ezekiel, you speak. You bring life. You declare over these dead places. You declare over that dead marriage. You declare over that that dying community, you declare over this area where people are struggling, you begin to speak and believe and encourage and bring breath of life wherever you go. Listen, if we're going to love people, then we got to get, and we're going to get this right, then I need you to understand something, that the very thing that changes the climate is love, not just spoken, but acted upon acted upon. Let's look at Luke 10, 34. It says that this Samaritan man went over to this guy that was laying and was good for dead. 
And it says that he began to clean his wounds with olive oil and wine. This guy took expensive stuff and he begins to clean all his wounds and he bandages him up. But you know what bugs me out about this? He gets off of his donkey and he puts him on his donkey. Let me put it to you this way. If we're going to love people, we've got to get off of our high horse and begin to place people where we think we belong. We need to begin to love people that way. Listen, love is sacrificial. The way up with love is always down. It's always down. It's always about you and not me. And so check this out. If we're going to get this love thing right, if we're going to do it with love, if we're going to love people, it's a commitment to bring healing and restoration. Notice that this guy was not simply trying to get him to a hospital. He took everything that he had and he intervened right in the moment. And then he picks this guy up and he takes him to a place and he cares for him. Why? Because he wasn't interested in just doing something so he could pat himself on the back when he got home and said, Hey, honey, by the way, I took a guy to the hospital. I saved his life. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. See, this this loving people deal the way God calls us to, this kind of love that changes communities, that heals homes, that restores broken relationships with children, that brings peace in a community where all we've known is war and hate and guns and violence and drugs and disappointments. This love that God calls us to is one that's committed to heal and restore. You know why that's important? Because that's a long-haul commitment. That's a long-haul commitment. Some of you have heard me say this, some of you haven't. But I will tell you this, here at Church at the Bridge, let me tell you how we turn the dial on the thermostat. We're here to stay. We're here to help. We're here to heal. We're here to restore. We're here to transform. This is a lifelong haul. I can't speak for you, but I will tell you, I have found the mountain that I will die on. And I'm committed. I'm in this. Thick and thin. Doesn't matter what I see. And so Luke 5, 31 through 32 says this. Jesus answered them. It is the sick who need a doctor, not those in good health. My purpose is to to invite sinners to turn from their sins. That simply means this. People who are heading the wrong way to go in the right way. He says not to spend time with those who think themselves already good enough. Listen, if we're going to love people genuinely... Right? It takes making the choice to be a friend to the people that we probably wouldn't. I know for some of us, we go, oh, I'm shy. That's a cover-up. There's nothing hard about going, what's up, man? How you doing? My name is Jose. What's yours, man? It's nice to meet you. Oh, Jose and Jose, we're in good company. <laughs> Listen, it takes nothing to extend to someone, but we will lose everything if we don't. Because if you and I were created for love, like this cup that's created to be filled with fluid and be poured out. If we never fill up and pour out, then guess what? All we are is stuck and stagnant. We're of no use. A cup without fluid is useless. A believer, a person without love operating in their life is useless. Doesn't work. Let me tell you why else. What else it takes. For this love deal. Luke 10.35. Let's put that up real quick. 
says this, that the next day he handed the innkeeper two, uh, two pieces of silver. And he says to him, hey, man, look, here's the cover the next couple of days. And if this doesn't cover enough, if it isn't sufficient, then I'll be back and I'll pay you the difference. I want you to see something about loving people. It's a commitment that isn't free. It's not free. It's not free. Love is sacrifice. Love is for the long haul. Love is, is, is understanding that it will lead to disappointments at times. That you may end up rejected. That you may end up feeling empty-handed. That you might devote personal time. Yes, you may have to leave your children with a babysitter because you know what? For one hour, I want to commit my time. I want to sacrifice something for the sake of another. It's a commitment and it isn't free. It comes with a hefty price. It's guaranteed to sometimes hurt. It's guaranteed to sometimes disappoint. Not love, but the people that we love. Not love, because love never fails, the scripture says. So listen, some of us, we struggle at the thought of loving people this way. But you know what the truth is? That we all understand this kind of love. Because every one of us sacrifices above and beyond for something. For some of us, it, it's money. Oh, I ain't, got enough, I ain't got time. You know, I got to work, work, work. I got to make the bills. You know, if I don't do it, nothing's going to happen. Really? Whatever happened to God being your provider? Sorry. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to get personal there. My bad. My bad. No judgment. Listen, we all understand this because we're all committed in areas that cost us much. But what reward is it bringing you? What life is it changing? How are you emptying out so you can get filled back up? You know the reason why so many of us feel unfulfilled sometimes when it comes to this area of love? It's because we're not seeking it at all, or sometimes we're just so full of it that we're not doing anything with it that it just grows stale. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't feel good. Listen, most Christians today rejoice because of how blessed they are, but I want you to see God's focus here. I'm, it's good for you that follow Christ, that you're blessed. Praise God. I celebrate that. That's to be celebrated. But I want you to see the focus of heaven. Luke 15, 7 says this. It says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Guess what, hell, what, what heaven is celebrating? It's celebrating lives transformed that are touched by people that dare to love and sacrifice and lay down and make a difference. This is the kind of love that we're called to. This is the kind of love we're called to. And as we close out, I want to give you one last thing to consider. In Luke 10, 37, Jesus responds this. So Jesus shares this story with this guy, this, this religious leader. And, uh, and he says to him in verse 37, uh, in verse 36, he says to him, So which one of these is a neighbor? Which one of these is really the neighbor? And he says, well, I suppose the one who showed mercy. I suppose the one who showed mercy. Verse 37, please. And so Jesus says to him, yes, now you go 
Watch this. And do the same. You know what mercy is? Mercy is that you're dead to rights. You're caught. You're wrong. You're guilty. It's your bullet to bite. It's your time to serve. It's, it's your weight to carry. That mercy says, while it's yours to carry, I'll take it from you because I love you. Because I love you. You know, we live in a world today where we judge and we love based upon what we see. And love doesn't work that way. Some of you, 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 you've heard tidbits here and there. Look, don't get this past the title twisted. I have a past. I know what it is to struggle. I know what it is to go to church and not get it. I know what it is to go to church and be amongst dis- people that aren't genuine. That's called Religion. I know what it is to to be in lack. I know what it is to find yourself alone. I I mean, I've been there, man. I was at the bottom of the barrel, not under it. I, I I, I wasn't at the bottom. I was under the barrel. But there's something that I thank God for, man, that when I came back to church reluctantly, I found myself surrounded with people that didn't look at me for who I was or where I'd been. One of those people is here today, my mother-in-law. What you might not know is that when I met Pastor Annette and we had our first date and I went to her house to cook her dinner, it was a setup. Mom showed up. (laughs) I was set up. Right? No, I'm kidding. She just happened to be coming by and she decided she was coming over. And I remember meeting her for the first time, and I was like, yo, this just got real. Mom is here, right? So I'm trying to be proper and all that. And she just begins to talk with me. And at that time, this woman did not know me from a hole in the wall, but what she was saying to me and the way she was encouraging me is as if I'd never failed. Like I'd never done anything wrong. Like my past wasn't tainted and my mistakes weren't huge ones. And she loved me and she saw me beyond my imperfections. That's mercy. I'm going to tell you why that's important if we're going to love people. Because if we're truly to love with this love of God, this love that changes the circumstances, that changes the environment around us, this love that we as Christ followers and people are called to, if we're to truly love this way, then we need to see people beyond their imperfections. We need to see the very best in them when they're at their very worst. We're not called to see people based on their failures. The Bible says we know no man after the flesh. It says we see them after the spirit. There's more to you than where you've been. There's more to people than what they've done to you. There's something that God's trying to redeem and God wants to use you and I. It's with love. Let's stand here today as we close up. And so listen, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are you doing it with love? Are you really doing it with love? Are you really, 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 really committed to this whole love deal? Because it goes far beyond your little circle of your four and no more. It's so much bigger than that. 
And the reward is so much greater when we choose to love people. Here at Church at the Bridge, for those of you that call this home, we're committed to loving people. Next week, you're going to hear me say something that maybe I, I don't think I've ever said. I've said, I've alluded to it. Next week, we're going to be talking about we serve our community. And you probably heard me say this last week. I'm, I'm, I personally am not satisfied with the little that we do. Now, in other people's eyes, we do a lot, and we do. But listen, there's more to do. There's so much more to do. I mean, if you've arrived, I resign. Please take the job and teach us. But last time I checked, none of us has arrived. And next week, you're going to hear me say this, that God has called us to impact an entire city. God has called us to impact an entire city. And so look, for some of you, that might intimidate you. I understand. But don't jump ship. And if you do, still love you anyway. But we're in this for the long haul. We're in this for the right reasons. We don't ask anybody for anything. But we will give unto people. We will love people. And so as we're closing out here today, I want you to just take a moment to close your eyes. Look, we're not going to do anything crazy. I just want you to take a moment to sit with this thought that we were created to love and to be loved, that we, we, there, there's a necessity for us to love people. And I want you to just gauge this for yourself. Where are you with this? Is it unforgiveness? Is it anger that you're holding on to? Is it what other people have done? Hey, maybe you're excelling in this area. Great. Just know this. There's another step. There's more to this. But wherever you find yourself in this area of loving people, just know this, that it's not your love that's at work. It's God who wants to work in and through you and me. And so, Father, today we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. First and foremost, that you love us, Lord. That you love each and every person here today in this world, in this room. Every life represented, every household here, there's healing, there's hope, there's strength, there's new beginnings, all because of this love. And today, you and I, we have the opportunity to leave here as a champion, to carry this flag, to wave this banner of love and love people beyond our circle. Because that's how we change lives. That's how we bring restoration. That's how we transform communities. Father, today we say, here we are. We thank you for your love for us, Lord. But Lord, I pray, strengthen us and help us. Give us vision. Give us foresight, Lord. Give us details to see, Lord, that you've created us to be the vehicle through which you love people, through which dry bones come to life, Lord, and all things are made new. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Now, it's possible that there's somebody here or maybe you're watching online and this is all new to you. Maybe you grew up in church and you left church like I did because you were tired of the fake stuff. But I believe that you're here today and you're hearing this message for a reason. Because maybe you're deficient in this area of love. And if you're struggling in loving people, it's because you're struggling in another area. It's embracing the love of God for your life. It's accepting the fact that you don't have to do anything to be made right with God, but that God makes you right by what he did in Jesus. And he loves you. 
And so today, if that's where you are and you recognize that I want to say something to you, you're in a good place. Because you are confronted with truth and for the very first time you realize I need something more. And what you need is to take hold of the price that was paid, the full expression of love. It was Jesus on a cross taking the nails. The scriptures say that he, he, did, he despised the shame, that it was nothing to him to be on the cross because of the joy that was set before him. Because he saw you, because he saw me, because he sees the world. And so today as we're closing out, listen, if you believe that God loves you that much and that Jesus died and he rose again, I'm telling you right now, you are in perfect position to embrace and receive the love of God and begin to love people in a way that you've never seen before. So if that's you, join us in prayer with this. Let's say this with confidence. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Today I declare you're my Lord and my Savior. And that I trust you as my God. And from this day forward, I'm trusting you. I'm following you. And I'm looking forward to the best in life. Come on, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate your decision to embrace the love of God and to be a vehicle to convey that unto others. Don't leave here without telling us about your decision. We want to walk alongside you. Now, Father, we leave here thanking you for your love, committed to loving people and transforming lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.